Today's episode was chosen by our Patreon subscriber, Amanda Valone. The topic today is about the documentary LA Originals and the two men who influenced a huge part of the 90s and 2000s. Both of these men who identify as Mexican-American push forward through the chaos, discrimination, and challenges that being a minority in the 90s brought about. They both experienced the April 29, 1992 riots in Los Angeles. They witnessed the injustice, saw the riots, felt the anger, and worked through the revolution. In light of what is happening in our world today, we hope that this podcast, in unison with the documentary, will bring you some clarity, inspiration, peace, and hope for the future. Although change is sometimes slow, it is inevitable, and we can influence the change in a positive way. But I know a change gonna come. Oh, yes, it will. We are the end of a millennium. We are a decade of decadence. We are the 90s. Welcome back to We The 90s, the report-style 90s-themed podcast that takes us back to all the great things that made the 90s our favorite decade. I'm Thomas, and with me are your two other hosts. You forget our names. Joe. Hi. And Lizzie. (laughs) And David. Uh... Welcome back. Today on the show, we're going to switch it up a little bit here. Uh, We've done a lot of 90s pop culture topics that I think have cut through many demographics, at least when it comes to their name. And today we're talking about something that was front and center for a few specific groups, but maybe not as much for the mainstream society. The topic was requested by our first ever Patreon subscriber, Amanda Valone, who is Joe's sister. (laughs) It's your sister, too. Who? Amanda. Okay. (laughs) Amanda Valone, Joe and I's sister from another mister, I believe, is how that goes. Um, Amanda owns the art studio that we shout out at the end of our last few episodes called Artrageous Adventures, located in Minnesota. And if you've met her or get the chance to meet her, you'll know right from the start one thing about her. She has a passion for art forms... Of all kinds. Uh, Her art studio work with kids and communities, her colorful tattoos, and her roadie level love for the music of her time, which unfortunately was mainly 80s rock music, but uh, she tends to color outside the lines for uh, a few topics, including today's topic. So today's topic, we're talking about the Chicano artistic duo of the 90s, Esteban Oriol. Oriol? I don't know how to say it in, in a proper form. Uh, Esteban Orio and Mark Machado, a.k.a. Mr. Cartoon. Um, in an effort to start the tradition of shouting out our resources on this show, I want to again suggest our main resource uh, for this topic, which is the Netflix, I don't know if it was a Netflix original, but the Netflix documentary, mm-hmm. LA Originals. So if you find this interesting, um, if we are bringing up these names that is bringing back a whole bunch of memories, then go on Netflix, look up LA Originals, and you will have a lot more information. So let's get started with the show. And David eating a bunch of candy because he oh, can't control himself. He really has no, what's that word? Himself. Control. Yeah, self-control, he has none. <laughs> Here you go, Lizzie. Oh, and, and, now, and now he's giving it back to the other person, the only other person with less self-control. Really? I have more self-control than Lizzie? What are you eating? Smarty. <laughs> yeah, they come with pants. Oh. What? <laughs> Smarty pants. Stupid. Wow. Got it. That was deep. Deep cut. So Joe's going to introduce us to at least the beginning of this topic, and then I think we're all going to play a little role, except for David. So the two of us will play a little role in how this goes. So Joe, let's hear it, you bitch. All right. So 
Starting a little bit before the 90s, both of these men, um, Estevan Oriol and Mark Machado, had both already started kind of making a name for themselves in their own areas. What did I say? Esteban Oriol. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, David's dying now. He's choking on Smarty Pants or whatever the fuck he's eating. Laffy Taffy. Say that, laffy Taffy. Say that, laffy Taffy. Say that, laffy Taffy. I'm looking for Mr. Bubblegum, Mr. Chico Stick. I wanna da da dum, cause you so thick. Girls call me Jolly Rancher, cause I stay so hard. <laughs> you can suck me for a long time. Oh my God! All right, back to the show. You're welcome. That's fantastic. <laughs> That's staying in. I might play it multiple times. Give me more candy. Let's see how we can do this more. <laughs> she, 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 like me like a lollipop. <laughs> Joe, can you please finish <laughs> the fucking sentence? Uh, no, don't no. cut me off next time. Oh, okay, my bad. He cut you off with a full-fledged song. <laughs> That was like oh. a Family Guy cutoff. It was. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so, prior to the 90s, both of these men had started already kind of trying to make a name for themselves, doing different things. Um, both of not the best, uh, what do you call it, demographic or income level? What do you call it? Uh, They're low income. Economics. Oh, that. Social class. In a, a lower class families, um, Mr. Cartoon was Mexican and growing up in L.A., I mean, makes sense, but grew up kind of hard, but always knew what he wanted to do. And it was very similar for Esteban Oriol, who, even though they were on different paths originally, knew what he wanted to do young and knew that even though they were growing up struggling, they were going to do something. Esteban was actually half Italian and decided to just fully adopt. His oh, Mexican. that is a good. Um, Chose the Mexican side. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, L.A. in the eighties. Oh. Yeah, because his dad around. was like a hippie or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, they met in the early nineties. Um, said probably around ninety two at a party. So before this, or leading up to this, Esteban Oriol had been a bouncer at a club, and his previous. Um, People, one of the big bands that he used to see at this club was Cypress Hill. Um, so he already knew them and I had already kind of started with them as their tour manager. Um, but this was early, right around the time he met them or met uh, Cartoon. Cartoon had been a graffiti artist, gotten in trouble, gotten uh, locked up once or twice for his graffiti art on the streets of LA um, because he would sign his name or sign cartoon or whatever it was that he would sign. I forgot what he it wrote. Was, uh, he used to be known by Flame. Like Flame. Yeah. yeah, Flame. That's what it was. Yeah. So they knew who he was and he had been in trouble for that. But he stayed true to like what he wanted to do, which was art. He knew he wanted to create art and he kept this idea and he eventually started um, using that with his Mexican pride to spray paint lowriders and be part of, I wouldn't say the car industry because he had no other interest in cars really, um, but did all the graffiti art and learned about that kind of painting and I forgot what it's called, coding of some kind. And around that time is when he met Esteban Oriol and they instantly knew that they were going to be friends. If you do this again, I will fucking kill you, <laughs> Thomas. Sure. You met um, Esteban Oriol. <laughs> uh... <laughs> They had been introduced by a mutual friend who basically told both of them, like, hey, you really should meet this guy because you both have similar ideas and similar mindsets, and I think you guys would hit it off. And they did. And they said, like, within that first day, they were already brainstorming ways that they can make themselves successful in the future, which turned into Cartoon working with Esteban and touring with Cypress Hill, and he started doing stage design with them um he also would do tattoos in the back of some of these shows his art continued to show through this other industry again so he had switched over again switched over kind of like from doing the cars even though he was still doing art on the cars he was bringing his art now to the stage and to i was was gonna mention um uh 
he started doing what is it called like spray spray on art or whatever the fuck that shit's called oh, on shirts on oh, shirts no it's, uh, <laughs> I mean yes. graffiti shirts yeah uh, and I wanted to ask David uh, local locally known dickhead but also locally known shirt enthusiast design guy how do you feel about those spray on shirt things uh by him i'm sure they were amazing yeah. it's airbrushing airbrush yeah. That's and what it is. um i've seen it where it could be like very ghetto um mm. I, like I, hate, <laughs> I hate like all you need is a stand really and it's like those people like you'll go to like a tournament or like a baseball or yeah. sport tournament and they're like making these shirts so right. it's just like that's kind of dumb but <laughs> Um, again, it's it's just like anything else. It's it's the imagery that you're putting on it. Mm-hmm. So given what he would paint, mm-hmm. like I'm sure it would be amazing. And how do you feel about softball players having oh airbrush helmets? <laughs> um, Choose your words wisely. Yeah. Uh, None of this is getting cut. <laughs> depending at the level that they're at, whatever. How do you feel about baseball players? Oh, my God. I think it's fucking dumb. Okay, good. That's what we were looking for. <laughs> Jackpot. <laughs> That's why they just get cartoon to tattoo them, like that baseball player that I don't remember his name. Dallas Keuchel. That's right. There you go. The boss. Um, Since they have no freedom so, on their team. That's not true. <laughs> Great beard. What? <laughs> <laughs> Going back to uh, Esteban. Et- uh, <laughs> Esteban is also uh, Spanish for Steven. That's oh. where that comes from. Steve-O. With his last name Oreo, exactly. So everybody started calling him Steve-O. So, Joe, if you want to avoid the uh, Hispanic dialect, you could just mm-hmm. say Steve-O from here on out. No, because, one, I think him... Because there was another name that they used in that video that I don't remember what scan. it was. Scan. That's Scandalous. what it was. Yes, Scan. That's what it was. Um, I like that better because Steve-O, I still think of the other Steve-O and yeah. Well, uh, his story is, uh, it was his dad who took pictures and was kind of like a amateur photographer or whatever and gave him a camera. So because it was all about exclusivity, he's behind the scenes with a lot of these bands as their manager and, and different things. I mean, he held a lot of odd jobs with it. He had the bright idea of like, oh, let me snap some pictures and stuff since I'm the only one that can see this and. Well, not even Nuts. that he's the only one who can see this, but he said he realized that he was the only one taking pictures yeah. at these concerts with these bands, with so many different groups there, which is crazy just like to think of then to now. Like, now you can't fucking go to the bathroom without everybody being on their phone and having like a camera ready. Right. And back then you were at a fucking concert with Cypress Hill, House of Pain, um, what was the other one? Soul Assassins, all these people, and like nobody had a camera because everybody was just in the moment of the concert. And I'm pretty sure people were getting like fucked up in the crowd, both on drugs and being punched in the throat. Probably. You see fucking, uh, who's the main singer of Limbiscuit? Fred Durst. Fred Durst jumped from the top of that cage. Yeah. Like he was in fucking. He sat next to Carson Daly, right? Yeah. So that one person can hear him argue about, oh, she got into first little bitch. <laughs> It doesn't take much to get him going. <laughs> I mean, he put me on blast, you know. <laughs> it wasn't on MTV. <laughs> Thank you, David, who didn't want to talk in this thing because I, never I was said doing I, didn't want to I was talk. doing Mr. Cartoon first, and then I was going to do him. Oh, you continue down with. Oh, you were on Steve-O. Cartoon. Well, I mean, it makes more sense to start with Esteban because he's the one that introduced Cartoon to this whole life. She could have still made it without him. Maybe not as big because he ended up with a lot of famous people. But his he knew he wanted to do art. So what was that tour that they went in Europe for? Um, anger management. Yeah, it was. It was well again. We're jumping the gun here, but it was really on that tour where a lot of the bands were just chilling out backstage, bored, whatever, and they just start getting tatted up by a cartoon. That's really where it blew up. So the next big thing that they really decided to put together was SA Studios. So speaking of Estevan's vision, though, um, right around the time of 1995 is when he took that famous shot of the L.A. Fingers, which was just some, what do they say, a stripper or some girl? It was a a gang member. Oh, she was in a gang. gang That's what it was. She was a female gang member. And this documentary talks a lot about that street that their shop was on. And like how how Skid rough Row. that neighborhood was, yeah, Skid Row. Um, but he took that photo of that girl with the L.A. hand or finger gang sign, 
in 95 and that you guys might know about because there's been controversy over that more recently um, with other companies trying to reprint that image and sell it. Like, for example, the store H&M, H&M. Have you heard of that in the mall? I have heard of H&M. Yeah. Lizzie, have you heard of H&M? Do you shop at H&M? Good. <laughs> so, Boycott H&M. Um, Unless H&M is listening and wants to become a Patreon. Uh, then we will support I H&M. I think that lawsuit was recently in like 2016 or something, but it was his image and that's what he was going to court for was like, oh, all these places think they could just reuse our original work and that's his photo. So this guy did have some kind of vision in this photography and not just with the bands that he did, but in... And everything in that whole world that they were surrounded in in the 90s and could find the beauty even in someone like that, like a gang member that was doing some crazy shit. He sued H&M in 2003. If you remember in it. So I, I didn't remember. I don't, did they say it in the thing or is that something else you looked up that he's like suing H&M? Um, he briefly talked about it in the documentary, but I also looked that up. <laughs> he, after. he sued them in 2003. So it's funny that like... That that's always been a big thing with him because if you remember um, back when they started going on tour, I remember people would I forget who one one of the guys that they were interviewing talks about um, you know everybody had to be held backstage yeah. because this guy named I forget which name they use for him um, I guess it was Esteban some guy named Esteban punched out one of the bootleggers yeah. or yeah. one of the is that what they call the bootleggers mm-hmm. somebody who was basically selling the images that he took on yeah. shirts. And not like giving any royalties or anything. And his way of suing back then was he had punched in the fucking face. He knocked them out. Yeah, pretty and much. Now, they, now almost had to, money. they almost had to cancel the concert. Right. Yeah, they kicked him out. Yeah. <laughs> he did. He did have this vision and could see this beauty even in their, their struggle and their time. And that's, I think, what really made them famous through a couple of decades like i said they grew and started learning in the 80s got together in the 90s and then continued on but they changed that art that whole several industries that they spanned um i don't want to say this (laughs) so their their goal was to bring like the la street culture mainstream and their ways of doing it were very different so steve-o estevan whatever the fuck you want to call them um was touring with bands was was seeing like the the gang stuff the street stuff as to where Mr. Cartoon uh was an artist was a fantastic artist and when he got in trouble went to jail one of the things that really stuck out at him was was all the art that he saw in prison all these people drawing and stuff so it was the the classically because he even says after he got out he went to school yeah to learn uh, calligraphy. Yeah, it's right? LA trade tech. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. like letters and stuff. So uh, he he strikes me as somebody who was like he understood from a very early age what he wanted to do and wasn't afraid to educate himself in that. Um, but he basically blended like prison art, graffiti with, you know, classic art. That's why you see a lot of his cars, like you see like the, the clowns and that kind of stuff because that was real popular back then. And yeah, they basically just blended their two things together to form you know, like, hey, this is what L.A. really is. I was waiting. I don't know who's the in- insane clown posse. I, I was waiting for something to come up about the insane clown posse when they started showing all those clown things. But they're Philadelphia. They're not L.A. Are they? Are they of that time though? They're a little bit after. They're like the yeah, like they're like the mid nineties. Oh, okay. I would say they were definitely after them, though. These guys were doing this in the early 90s. ICP definitely came like like mid to late 90s. Fun fact, St. Clown Posse were actually, uh, they actually wrestled, too. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Did you say fun fact? <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, I think you uh, might be wrong on when they started together. I don't know when they got you big. You might be wrong. What, who got started together? They met in 92 at a, at a, a recording party. Like no, the clowns. In St. Clown Posse? Yes. Oh. No, the clowns. I can't. Okay, anyways. They um, met at uh, the Penthouse Players album release party in 92. Yes. Excellent. Um, damn, you guys threw me off again. <laughs> oh, my God. 
I mean, we, we got to a pretty good point. I think maybe we can talk about the different areas that they've influenced. Oh, I was, yeah, I guess, sure. You go, Thomas. Dope. <laughs> uh, well, David, I think, started talking about their influence um, on, like, the, the Mexican-American culture or Chicano LA culture, <laughs> L.A. street culture, right, which is, which is really cool. So, like, the West Coast image that you think of. Like, you think of that, right? When when you think of West Coast, what do you think of? Hector from Fast and the Furious. Fuck yeah, right? Hector from Fast and the Furious. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Snoop Dogg comes into play, right? Um, Not Mexican. What? That, that To me, it's, yeah, because like, black, NWA, all that, yes, but, like, your prototypical, like, Hispanic gangbang or whatever would be, like, the, the guy from Friday After Next, like... I wasn't kidding. Like, yeah, Hector from Fast and the Furious, which is like a bald tattoos, yeah. uh, facial hair, mustache, white tee, dickies. Yeah. Like, I guess, yeah, but when that's when like Southern California, right? Southern LA. California, LA, you think of that, but like West Coast rap, like you still see that with G Easy. And G Easy is, I don't think he has any, I don't know what his descent is actually, but he's all the way up in the Bay Area. But like up in the Bay Area, it's still all low riders and shit. And I'm sure, yeah, there's probably a strong Mexican population up there, but... And I don't think... I mean, I'm sure lowriders were around before, right? I'm sure hydraulics and cars yeah. and stuff were around before, but the the thing about this is that, like, it wasn't put on a national... It wasn't put on, like, a, a scale, like a national scale or a global scale. But what does that? It's people who travel around and bring their culture to other places, and that was music at the time. You know, I'm having this revelation right now, but, like, I said Friday after next, right? Guess what he fucking drove? Lowrider. Lowrider. I, fucking, uh, uh, I liked wrestling. There was a wrestler. It was Conan. He was Mexican. Drove a lowrider. Yeah. Like it's goes hand in hand, and it's it maybe it's a South Central like L.A. thing, whatever. But I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if it started as like a Mexican American thing. If it was like a Mex- I think it was more of a Mexican American thing, um, or I think it was more of a Mexican American thing because I even read like other comic books that have a very Mexican uh, influence thing, and they even talk about lowriders. I feel like that was just something they redid a lot. Yeah, I mean, it could be. Uh, I don't know. I don't want to make judgment. Because, you know, like the like in, in Miami, right, you have the Cuban, like, you know, the whole Cuban-American scene back in the you know, 70s, 80s, whatever, Scarface fucking time. Machismo. Uh, machismo stuff. Um, and it was like those old vintage cars and you would think that like, okay, that's a Cuban American thing. But that was actually a Cuban thing is because like in Cuba you would only get those older models yeah. of cars. Yeah. So could be a Mexican thing that like this was something that they did in Mexico and it sort of transferred over. Uh, maybe it's the specific type of car, I don't know. Or why it was a low rider, but it's long body convertible preferably and then you trick it out however you want so the car itself isn't that expensive it's all the modifications that you do to it yeah. obviously putting in the switches making it jump up and down that kind of stuff yeah and then of course the paint job uh so yeah with that west coast image i think it influenced the way that people see what the west coast looks like and that's for better or worse right because there's positives that come from it and that like it's identity and then there's negatives that come from it in that you think of L.A. and you only think of, you know, um, I mean, yeah, but like Chicano culture, lowriders, tattoos all over the face and shit. So, again, hats off to them because there are people that they didn't try to run away from who they were to the country they wanted to show you and see if that would latch on. There's a part in this documentary where they even go overseas. They're in like, what, fucking France Japan. or something? Yeah. And, and, and they were people basically pretending to be like that like chicanos like dress like them like all that and it's like dude the fuck like even here in the states you really don't see that outside of la yeah it was interesting i I wanted to like dig into that i wish they had like talked a little bit more about that but it's interesting that in japan like japan specifically that was a big thing um it was it was um chinese people who were brought over right and forced to work on railroads and shit I thought that maybe that was the reason because I know a lot of that com- there was a large like Chinese community in San Francisco back in the day. So I thought maybe there was some connection there, um, but it was yeah, it was Japan that they were talking about. So I'll, I'm interested to know why it was specifically the youth in Japan that latched onto this culture. I think the music had a lot to do with it too. I mean, it almost goes hand in hand. Um, yeah. That culture, that 
style and then the music that they were putting out at that time. Like, you enjoyed the culture? No, the documentary the no. third time. Oh, the like, documentary. <laughs> <laughs> the third time you tried to watch yeah, it. Yeah, I got through it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what else, Joe? What else did it influence? Um. Well, I think his pride in his art. Um, going back to cartoon influenced a lot actually both of them but more cartoon and this is another thing i wanted to talk about was i think my favorite part of the documentary was hearing his story more um because like you said the oriole he had he he did a lot of big things and i think the photography he took changed a lot and the music videos he made at that time like changed a lot of the culture but cartoon was an overall really good guy and like uh, wanted to educate himself more. So what stood out to me was his passion for like his art and learning everything the best he can is what all those music people that you wouldn't necessarily think to put together were fine together because he was sharing that with them and that idea of like being a good person, I want to say, because he even says at one point, like, man, no one had a problem with me. Like, ask anybody. Like, I was that guy. <laughs> when Eminem's getting tattooed, his face, when he's explaining, like, oh, but I could put your daughter's face. And I'm just looking at him like, dude, that'd be sick. <laughs> and it's really funny. And a few other people are like, yeah, like, that's the shit. But anyway, my point besides that was when they're just still talking about the Japan stuff, He's reading the menu, and he you could tell he's learned those languages, and he's enjoyed this time overseas, and he's seen what his culture has done to other people, and I guess he's used that culture back with him, with his life, maybe not with his art. His art's still very Mexican. He was, like, reading it in Japanese, and he was telling these kids, like, oh, look, da da And I thought that was a great part of that documentary. He was just joking around when he did that. <laughs> Because they also did the Jewish thing in there. Oh, that was pretty funny. I, so I, thought, I thought that's what he was also doing. It was like a funny thing. As funny as that was, the funniest part of this entire documentary is um, when they're explaining that like getting a tattoo from him almost like binds you together oh, God, with others, which is great. Like that's awesome. Yeah. But why? Out of all the people, do you have Ryan Phillips? Yeah. <laughs> is the one saying this. And mind you, he drops names like Beyonce, 50 Cent, like the Beyonce, 50 Cent, Eminem, Snoop Dogg, Ryan. Like that doesn't go. That's, that's his in, bro. That's his into the culture. That's it. There was a few other random cartoons. ones. Who else these have? Christina Aguilera was one, but I think she was just a model. Best I don't think she got chairs. tattooed. Actually, mm, come on now, Joe. You know better. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, yeah, Justin Timberlake. Justin Timberlake. Yeah. <laughs> he wasn't in it. They mentioned him. Uh, I didn't know the Keiko thing. I didn't know he he was from Mr. Cartoon. That's fucking I, awesome. Yeah, if I you remember, have that money, I would. I, I didn't know that until I watched this documentary. But I I remember looking at his tattoos and being like, "Yo, those are fucking sick." And and you don't even see baseball players up close when you uh, right. when you're watching a baseball game, but you can see that it's like detailed. Yeah, so that's cool. Um, yeah, another one of those things. Just like one of the the other side of that, I guess. And I don't know much about um, Travis Barker which oh, you and yes. Lizzie would know about. But it was funny when they were talking about Blink-182 and them doing tattoos for them. And uh, Travis Barker was like, who, who are the other two guys' names? Mark Hoppus and Tom Dolan. Cool. I just needed first names. but <laughs> Mark and Tom, when he mentions bringing them to um, Cartoon to get tattooed, he's like, I think that was the first time Mark and Tom entered the hood. Yeah. 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 I was dying <laughs> was laughing great. at yeah. that. <laughs> it's, it's crazy to see that cartoon is someone that had like an extraordinary talent a gift um he recognized it he enhanced it exploited it and he was also very lucky that the times changed for the better for him for his industry because they did address where tattoos were a gang thing and that's really how it started and he said that you know that now there's people getting full sleeves and they're becoming ceos of companies and it works better for him yeah, it, I mean, yeah, it works better for him, but it's also sort of like an underlying negative tone, I guess, of the whole the whole situation. And that like that that trend walks hand in hand with like um, like white people moving into mm-hmm. gentrification. Yeah. Um. So it like walks hand in hand with that. that everybody's seeing things is like, oh, this is this is in now, and then it's like being gentrified or um, culturally. Fuck. What are these words? 
culturally appropriate. Yeah, he talked about that. He's like, now yeah. everybody's getting tattoos. Like, right. I want to get rid of mine. <laughs> Which, yeah, that, that one guy who was a former gang member said, yeah, so it works for a cartoon in that that helps him get more business. But at the same time, it's like, it's, it's not special it's, anymore. It's not, it's not special anymore. It's not like attuned to this one thing, which I mean, there are two people in this room who have tattoos, which I'm sure they mean a lot to you in that regard. But yeah, you wouldn't have been people who had the tattoos back in the late eighties, early nineties. I might've been. Yeah. He, he tattooed Eminem, the portrait of his daughter, mm-hmm. Travis Barker. If you ever see his fucking, Tricky tattoo. Yeah, I love Jarvis Barker. Just just um, seeing him tattoo the top of that bald guy's head and seeing yeah. the blood that came out of there, and then thinking that he tattooed <laughs> Travis Barker's fucking so throat. <laughs> uh, you bleed more from me. your head. You know that. I, I, don't, I don't. But there's so much. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, he tattooed um, Fifty Cent's back piece, yeah. which is like. I, I didn't know that one when I knew that one because yeah. I, I love 50 Cent and I know his back piece because the dude never wears a shirt. I don't think he's ever <laughs> bought a fucking t-shirt. That's cool to know. That was a good yeah. one. I was like Dallas Keuchel. Um, I think what was the person I was surprised about on there was actually Michelle Rodriguez because I love her and I always forget that she's really pretty Hispanic and like kind of a badass. <laughs> But did she get tattooed? I don't think she got tattooed, but she no. knew that group. Yeah, and I because, was like, that's cool yeah. that she... But I thought she was there more for the Mexican culture. And I thought I that was, was really cool that she's like... Because she's so much younger. So I was like, oh, sh- maybe not so much. Okay, maybe not that much. She but I was younger. like, oh, yeah. Michelle Rodriguez. Like, I, I didn't expect her to be there and talking about them and being so like... No, um, they know a lot of people, man. Could have done without seeing Fat Joe. Fuck Fat Joe. <laughs> um, and mind you, he was there for 10 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Red Man, Method Man, yeah, Snoop. Exhibit. How, about, how about the soundtrack to this to this documentary? Fucking loved it. Did you? Well, is a lot of people I that mean, they I, don't, I don't even know if I I don't recognize with. soundtracks to movies or anything. <laughs> Why? What was it? It was, it was a lot of good. Oh yeah, it was a lot. Was Think cool. of it, all the bands that were featured in this. Yeah, and all the artists, so they're using their songs. Yeah, I remember when they played like the Cypress Hill and House of Pain shit. The one that got me that that started bumping. I even started singing and she didn't know what the fuck I was saying was the the song from How High, the Method Man and Red Man. Here here's some things that I have on here, other influence, right? So we talked about their influence in tattoos, in fashion. They talk about like, you know, uh, this wasn't necessarily them, but again, the idea of tattoos or Chicano culture wasn't created by them, but it was expanded by them because they went on tour and they were so well internationally known. Like the the West Coast look of Dickies and white tees, that shoe design. Like yeah. he brought he basically brought back that design of shoes, which is like the Cortez. This one was really cool. I don't know if you have the same feeling for it, but the fact that I believe it was Mister Cartoon that assisted Rocksteady or Rockstar he, the with Grand the Theft Grand Theft Auto yes. fucking artwork in there. Yep. That's mm-hmm. sick. That is awesome. Uh, so it it looks like when Snoop Dogg was showing off that PS. Three, it, it said GTA Four, but it wasn't GTA Four. It was GTA San Andreas, Andreas, which was I don't know. I don't know how those games go anymore. There was three. There was three. Then uh, Vice City. Right. Then four. Then San Andreas. Right. And then five. Then five. So um, well, technically, Liberty City. Liberty City was three. No, then they did another one. Oh, okay. doesn't matter. We have to get into it. Right. But yes. Yeah. So yeah. So San Andreas, which was basically set in the L.A. Uh, version, I think. I don't know. I'm getting confused now. But yeah, that was cool to know that like this guy had that type of that they had that type of reach. Like he was not only tattooing all the biggest names, touring with all the biggest hip hop groups, um, but was like doing shit in video games too. I like that. Um, that was Beyond the Street thing that they had which is um showing off all the graffiti artwork and all that kind of stuff you know they have to tag a wall but there there could be like an exhibit for it and they mentioned uh who's the guy that you know like from new york banksy Banksy. Banksy. yeah Yeah. they talked about him a little bit but then they had a what was it they called it It was the the cartoon church it was fucking awesome because it had the car and like a big cross and then the oon and it had all his shit and I can only imagine like an exhibit like that. That would be pretty awesome to go see. Does anybody know who Banksy is yet? Yeah, we. <laughs> They've uncovered Banksy. Oh, wasn't yeah. he the one that like mysteriously did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Graffiti. Yeah. Oh, did he they put on a whole big exhibit? Did they figure out who he was? Yeah. 
What does he look like? I don't know. White dude? I go out on a limb and say Banksy is an organization. It's not one person. Well, not anymore. Oh, maybe. that's fucked. Now he needs a... No, his art is still his art, but he does put on exhibits and stuff now. And then Orioles reach, um, of course, went pretty big with the whole L.A. hand sign. and um, But also, like, it was cool to know he did the, the cover for um, Ego Trippin', uh, the Snoop Dogg album, mm-hmm. which is cool. Uh, do you remember the top song from Ego Trippin', Joe? Snoop Dogg, 2008, I believe. Uh, what are you talking about? No. Chronic album? At least I don't think it was that one. The number one uh, single for that one. Sexual Eruption. Sexual Eruption. So I can get the sexual eruption. Remember that song? Yes. Good song. Yeah, LA Fingers. And then, um, so it's it's cool. If you go on, um, or if you just type in Google, and you look up like some of his more famous uh, photographs of like different athletes and artists and actors and stuff... Like, you'll see photos that you know you've seen before by searching that person's name. And now you just have, like, the the person behind the camera that you can tie to it. So, I went and looked and, like, when Nipsey Hussle passed away or or was murdered, you, uh, I remember, like, going on and looking and seeing this exact photo. And it was a photo taken by by Oriole. Uh, Another one was, like, uh, the game or game. Yeah. Every time I, I looked him up, it was always that one with the red bat, mm-hmm. the red bandana shot by Oriole. So he shot like a lot of these, these photos that even if they didn't make album covers or anything like that, or magazine covers, there are still photos that you definitely know. No, but we were talking about in that one music video that he was working on. Um, and they're talking about the bridge and how the bridge was a big thing. <laughs> David's like, ha that's from Greece. <laughs> that bridge is famous. The sixth street bridge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're under it. So in near. Here. it's funny. <laughs> in here, it's also in in countless other movies. Yeah. It's fucking famous. No, yeah. when did it come down? Oh, I forgot what year he said. Recent know. or not recent, but like obviously in the two thousands. Greece. That's the one thing I was gonna add is is that part where they're doing the ride along with him while he's driving. He's like showing them different parts of the neighborhood and stuff. These are people that are clearly so embedded in their society there that it's amazing to know that like they've traveled pretty much all all around the world or a lot of different places and, and got to experience different cultures. And I mean, someone like cartoon obviously is like, you're fucking loaded. Like you should be okay financially for the rest of your life, but you're still true to your roots and, and, what you know is you and that's pretty awesome yeah who was it was it everlast that said like like he did this good tattoo art but i can't afford i'm not it. paying fifty thousand dollars for a tattoo <laughs> and then everybody else is like yeah i'll pay fifty thousand dollars for a tattoo yeah because we make more money than everlast because <laughs> everlast will never last he's a quitter and he's bitter that he came along you know that <laughs> the everlast diss track yeah yeah all these eminem fans in this fucking room <sighs> <laughs> okay so i guess to, yeah, to put it to an end on it i thought they were gonna reunite in some way and it, it sort of remained um and nope not ambiguous ambiguous is that the right word i don't know what is their relationship status today yeah because it, it sort of showed that there was like a divide between them after the fall of sa studios mm-hmm. of soul assassin studios which was the 2008 housing market crash because think about it tattoos and photography well i don't know so much about photography but tattoos for sure and i guess like art done on cars and all the shit that was going on in sa studios is additional income, right? Mm-hmm. It's expendable income that you have. And after the housing market crash, nobody had expendable income. So they lost like 75% of their clientele. You would see that there was still an upward trend for tattoos and there was less of a trend um, for photography in the way that Oriole was doing it because he was staying with film and everybody else was moving to digital and right. cell phones were coming around. Well, where the, I feel like they... They didn't touch upon this at all. It's just my assumption, but they may have had like this argument behind the scenes where maybe 
cartoon was telling him like you need to evolve to this and he didn't want to because there was another part in this where cartoon mentioned you know like i evolved i'm self-taught i taught myself photoshop and this and that and then he even kind of says and and those that didn't you know got stuck with the times and they cut to you know a scene of oreo and you know he's with his fucking rolls of film and shit so it's just like damn like i don't know if they're cool but then there was another scene where like they hugged like it was clearly the two of them and they're older and like you know they were just you know just cutting scenes you know whatever real fast and like they showed them like hugging or something so it's like i don't know maybe they yeah. are cool so. well i mean they, they had to have worked together at some point because esteban oreo is the one who directed this yeah <laughs> documentary so yeah and clearly um, cartoon is in current <laughs> I didn't catch that as like a dig, but it makes sense now because you clearly the documentary like shows him standing outside and talking about or him being Oriole standing outside his truck talking about, you know, I try and post something that I think is like in a blow up Instagram. Yeah. 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 And then it's like didn't work. I I got more likes from a picture my dog took on my phone. Um, And then, yeah, it's it's like literally either the scene right before or right after where cartoon is talking about, you know, teaching himself. Um, yeah. Photoshop and teach himself all these different things, which is yeah. I mean that that makes sense. I think also it, it is just like yeah, it's a it's a a person who's like staying true to the art that like helped make them. Like what I think most artists' yeah. downfall could be, and then it's you know somebody who advances with the time or is a can, quote unquote sellout. You can kind of tell like Oriole was was a bigger. Uh, physical guy. He was a bouncer. He mm-hmm. stories of him fighting people. Um, and then when you cut to a uh, cartoon as a kid, you know he was he was very like ahead of the curve, like kind of smart. Like he was drawing things. He was drawing like details, like fingers and fingernails and stuff like that. When you're a little kid, you know, fucking it's a circle and there's your finger. <laughs> and, like he's mm-hmm. like stuff like that. So he clearly. Uh, I'm sure if he applied himself more, like in school, would have been in those uh, those gifted classes that you guys were in and stuff like that. Oh yeah, that's why we know the Mandela effect <laughs> from Gifted. If Mandela was in jail <laughs> at the same time that cartoon was in jail, <laughs> then when do you go to jail? <laughs> yes. <laughs> have you all seen the latest news on John Krasinski? Yes. So speaking of sellouts, right? He didn't sell out. That's what everybody's saying. He's not a part of it. That's what everybody's saying. He's saying he sold out. He did. Have you ever seen that Some Good News show that John Krasinski's doing? Do you know who John no. Krasinski is? No. God damn it. Do it I hurts. know anyone's name? It hurts. Do I know anyone? John the guy Krasinski. from The Office, that, I, that clip that I showed you. The guy from A Quiet Place, which is a movie you actually... Yeah, but I don't remember. Fuck you then. The guy that does the... Some good news is like a new show where he's from home and is whatever. Like he was, oh, yeah, he's okay. bringing good news yeah, to yeah, the world yeah, where yeah. everything is bad. Yeah. Um, but a studio or a, a company, CBS Viacom, wanted to pick it up and make it like an actual show. John Krasinski, of course, who created the show, they went to get his approval, and I'm sure he's getting some money out of it. But everybody's like, "Oh, he created this show that was supposed to be all based on goodwill and doing good things, and now he sells it out to a." conglomerate and everybody who used to love John Krasinski now hates John Krasinski because he wants a show that talks about good things to be more widely accessible. And also John Krasinski is not going to do some good news show for the rest of his life without making any fucking money. So either you're not getting the damn show or he's getting paid from the show. So fuck you. I don't know. I don't know who's out there talking about it, but it's a lot of people, right? Have you seen anything about it? You're on the social medias all the time. I'm on the social medias, yes. You seen anything about it, David? You're on your phone sometimes. A phone. (laughs) (laughs) It hasn't come up on the hub yet, so. Oh, true, (laughs) true. Yeah, they haven't started doing the parodies. (laughs) Some goo news, huh? Uh, (laughs) I think I should throw up in my mouth a little bit. Um, oh, man. Yeah, so that was, there's an office parody out there. <laughs> that was my tangent. 
If you don't like John Krasinski right now, you can suck a dick. Or you can do it with that Pepper guy, that fucking homeless guy from the documentary. That was funny. Yeah. They pull up when he's getting he's getting arrested or whatever it was. That was the, that was the best like, part. All right, see you tomorrow, Pepper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just keep going. Oh, that's good shit. I love how he has to just add that that last little thing back in just to tie it all together. He wanted this fucking tangent about John Krasinski. It had nothing to do with this fucking documentary. Mm-hmm. But now it does. It's all about the uh, the seguas. Speaking of. Into Illache. Into nonsense. Oh, we should do a, we should do a sister podcast. <laughs> Segway into nonsense. <laughs> where we just do this. We, we choose one topic and then never really talk about it. <laughs> okay. Damn, we do that anyway. <laughs> Is that this show? Yeah. Uh, Segway into nonsense. <laughs> So you want to just keep everything that you normally edit out. Is what yeah. you're saying. <laughs> I'm going to take all that out and just create a whole different podcast. <laughs> just with random clips yep. of fucking everything. And I'm not going to tell you all. All right. I'm going to make billions. All right. Well, that's going to do it. I mean, these guys are still doing things. You can Google them. You can still find their websites um, and all the different things they're doing. But, uh, yeah, if you if you have tattoos on you right now, it is probably stemming from the spread of tattoo culture. If you like hip hop and you are in a different country, could be from the spread of, of these guys' fame. So, or none of that's true. If you play GTA, you've seen some of their work. So, these guys have touched you in some way. All right. Now, point to the, the spot on the bear where these guys have touched you. And that's going to do it for today's. <laughs> today's episode before we go off into a different <laughs> you know every time you talk Lizzie remembers <laughs> that she agreed to this that's why, <laughs> that's why I have my microphone set to face away from Lizzie so I don't have to see her disappointed face get ready uh, alright um, I imagine we're going to skip fondest memories because None of us yeah. really knew of these guys before uh, looking into this. But thanks for the topic, Amanda Valone. Um, that's your only topic. <laughs> you don't get to vote anymore, but we should also name a segment after you at some point. Is it time now for some trivia? It's time for the Amanda Valone <laughs> 90s trivia segment. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who else is a Patreon of this show? No one. That's it? Just yes. me? Yes. I thought that was... Mom. Is she one of this show or the other show? I don't know. All right, who knows? Look it up. We gotta name another segment. All right, David's gonna read some 90s questions, and Joe and I are gonna yell them out. Is that what's happening? Yeah. All right. Question number one. Here's a hint. It's also your favorite. Stop, uh, hints. You didn't even <laughs> read the question. <laughs> Question. <laughs> oh, give me the hint. Give me the hint. Give me. No. It's my favorite. Oh, Ninja Turtles. Done. Michelangelo. <laughs> Orange. <laughs> keep going. Uh, pizza. <laughs> nope. Keep going. Okay. No. Just read the question. <laughs> what color were the bathing suits worn by the lifeguards in Baywatch? Red. Wait, I got that right. Yes. That was red. That's not Ooh. his favorite. Oh, wow. So you misunderstood something you didn't let me finish saying? Shocker. <gasps> you cut yourself off and then he started guessing. You know, the good thing about this is recorded. We can go back because I started talking and then you cut me off and said no hints. Welcome to the Amanda Valone, David and Joe argue segment. <laughs> and I was going to say it's his favorite uh, form of uh, Don't foreplay say to make Lizzie run across the room. And what year did the Silence of the Lambs win an Academy Award for Best Picture? 93. Everything. Everybody always guesses 93. Everything is 93. Um, I'm going to say 94. <laughs> no, nothing about that. I can't. The correct answer is 1992. Oh, what the fuck? So you're both wrong because you went over. Yeah. Price is wrong. Oh, price is wrong. Bob Barker. <sighs> Father of Travis Barker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Lizzie might know this. Not you guys. Ooh, don't yell at Lizzie. Which two films did Julia Roberts and Richard Gere star in together during the 90s? Oh, Sleep Runaway Bride. Pretty Woman. The answer was Runaway Bride and Pretty Woman. <laughs> okay. So All right. It's a joint effort. So I did get that. Not <laughs> Sleepless in Seattle. <laughs> oh, my God. 
Who's in Sleepless in Seattle? Meg Ryan and uh, who's the guy? Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks, right? Yeah, okay. Huh, Tom Hanks? Great actor. <sighs> yeah, totally better than Leonardo DiCaprio. <sighs> no shot. Oof. <sighs> Tom Hanks can't even catch Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh uh, he did catch him in the end. Did and he? And then he made him into his own puppet. <laughs> his own catching runaway guys. All right, never mind. <laughs> Have you seen exactly. that? It's, it's <laughs> frustration and lost. <laughs> We're talking about catch me if you can. I realized that. You've yeah. seen that movie? Have, yeah. Okay, good. Just, like, right. kept going with it. And then you said puppets. Welcome to the podcast. (laughs) You gotta stop me before I get on a roll. That's how you get a sleepless in Seattle. All right, next. Oh, which actor starred as Dr. Douglas Ross in ER from 1994 to 99? George Clooney. That is correct. Boom. Sure. Dougie. Dougie Ross. Oh, man. Ugh. I'm not even going to read this because only Lizzie would know the answer. Oh, read it. I'll beat her. Which character did David Bor- Boranes play in Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Angel. Yeah. Oh. To Come that on, or his sidekick? No, kick. you're killing it. No. Yeah. <laughs> killing it. In Friends. Oh, no. What is the name of Phoebe's twin sister? Ursula. <laughs> I knew <laughs> I, I want to say baby. No, I was literally when I read the question, I was like, "What is he going to blurt out now?" Because I knew it wasn't going to be the answer. Oh. I was going to say the thing that we were talking about last time with Christina Applegate. No, who says Phoebe? I don't know. Who says Phoebe on it? Phoebe says it yeah. about herself. Oh, okay, she never mind. Says, and if it's a girl, it's Phoebe, and if it's a boy, it's Phoebe. Oh yeah, Phoebe. that's what I was going to say, Phoebe. <laughs> Phoebe. In what year did the first episode of Friends air? Ninety three. Fucking two. Three because it ended in oh two. Yeah. One. Oh three. Damn it. It was ten. Seasons. Do you want to say a year now, Thomas? Because you've said like a bunch of numbers in no year. <laughs> yeah. So she says nineteen ninety three. Okay. Um, it ended in oh three. It was a ten year in... run. Ninety four. The correct answer is 1994. Damn. <laughs> 94 counts as one, and then... I remember. Oh, that yeah. makes sense. <laughs> You're right. You're clearly smarter, but... <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, I'm not reading this one. Me and Thomas should not play this at the same time. I, I think wait. we help each other more. How many Academy Awards did Titanic win? By the way... I have no fucking idea. <laughs> uh, picture, director, score. I don't need you to name the awards. Woman lead. He, he, he needs to name that. Lead actress. Um, what was last season? Lead actress. Five. <laughs> the answer is eleven. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was going to be higher. I only knew five categories. <laughs> well, I knew but, six, but I knew oh, Leo. Geez. I knew Leo didn't win actress? one. I would imagine. There's <laughs> eleven. I know Leo didn't. Uh, yeah, that's the only one I knew didn't happen. We should have let Lizzie read these to us so all three of us could. Oh, well, she has a microphone. In Beavis and Butthead, what color are Beavis's shorts? Green. That sounds right, actually. I was going to say red, but. Neither one of them wears green. Hang on. Green shorts. Be- oh. He doesn't wear shorts. True question. <laughs> Brown. Do you know who Blue. Beavis is? I do. <laughs> That's just... Is that butthead? <laughs> Beavis. Who is Cornholio? Who is Cornholio? Yeah, which one? Oh, I didn't even know that. I just thought that was a thing that they said. That was like a signature catchphrase. No. Then you need to go back and rewatch that. No. Oh, I will don't. never go one back them, and yeah. rewatch Beavis. One of them head. puts his shirt over his head and says, I am Cornholio. God. That's all. I need more PB for my bunghole. <laughs> She said the tall one. <laughs> the tall one? Fuck me. Which cartoon I hate you did guys. they draw? Beavis higher? is taller, right? <clears throat> no. Beavis is the blonde one. Butthead is the dark haired one. Butthead shorts are, are red. Beavis is gray. Which character did Dustin Diamond play in Saved by the Bell? Skeeter. <laughs> <laughs> is that Saved by the Bell? 
There's nobody named Skeeter in Save by the Bell. <laughs> Who's Skeeter? Scooter. No? <laughs> Stop questioning yourself. Sometimes he just Who's laughs because he's an ass. Um, I didn't watch No Save by the Bell. There's a guy and another guy and a girl. Bleaker? <laughs> Wait, what was the question? There was a guy named Jesse. No, that might be the wrong shit. Which Dustin actor... Died. Which actor played Dustin Diamond? No. Dustin Diamond what? is an actor. Is an actor. What was who his character? Play? What was his character's name? Who were the characters in Saved by the Bell? No idea. Skeeter. <laughs> no, there was no Skeeter. What's the guy's name that Skeeter sounds is, like Screech? Is Doug's best friend. Oh, yes. Yeah. Screech. He's right. There it is. Was that right? Yep. Oh, man. I, I was on the right path right there. What was the Ooh, main guy's right name? Right up your alley. Mm-hmm. Also has a porno. You put this Ooh, right up your alley. Is that a. Did you take that out? No, well, they're right up your alley. On the yeah. top? With who? No, they're not. I don't know, but you don't want to see it. No, I don't. Ooh, I would actually they're like to top. see it. Wait, no, how old is he? Is it when he's young? Oh, crap. I, I don't fucking know. It's not. It's when he's older. The guy oh, went yeah. fucking crazy. He was on like oh, VH1's Surreal Life and all that. Oh, shit. Some fucking reality show. What is that? Let's do 90s kids that became, you know, drug addicted psychopaths. Let's they do died. that as a topic. Not all of them. I mean, you would consider the Olsen twins as 90s kids who became drug addicted. All right. Well, that's it for the Amanda Valone 90s trivia segment. Um, Did we find out if we had another Patreon? No, I didn't look. I don't have the login information. You know what? When you people pick up phones, (laughs) you never do the efficient thing. Sometimes I'll ask Lizzie what she wants to eat, and she'll pick up the phone and start looking at stuff. And then after 10 minutes of silence, I go... Are you still looking at food? And she's like, no, I was never looking at food. <laughs> Remember that? Remember yeah. That? Remember what that happened? The last two... Pi- oh, sorry. We do that all the time. <laughs> and I will. And I should. Oh, yeah, Mom. I told you. God, why don't you listen to me? Oh, my God. Not listening is more fun. Now it's time to get to the Liz Padro plugs and shout-out segment. So... Oh. I don't mm-hmm. think you should call it Liz Padro plugs. <laughs> given your or shout browser <laughs> search history, you should call it something else. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna take that back. <laughs> now it's time for the just normal, regular plugs and shout out segment. Thanks for listening and supporting the show. Continue to support the show uh, and get more content by becoming a patron at patreon.com where we can do exactly what we did this episode, which is butcher a 90s memory that you cherished and then we talked about it in the way that we did. Um, So you can do that for as little as $1 a month. Go to patreon.com slash we the 90s and you can recommend a topic. You know, even if it doesn't say that this tier allows you to recommend a topic. Just recommend a fucking topic, uh, and we'll we'll do it. Maybe we'll do like a mini segment. Yeah. So Patreon.com/slash We the Nineties. Also, you should go on Apple Podcasts if you have access to it and give us a one to five star review. We only have like five. No, we have seven reviews on there, which is not enough. I think all of those are people that we know that we forced to do that. So if you're listening to us, if you're listening to us throughout all of this shit then you clearly like what we have to say. So go on there and uh, give us a fucking review. And then reach out to us on social media. Instagram, we underscore the 90s. Twitter, we underscore 90s. And Facebook, we comma the 90s. Or email us, we the 90s dot podcast at gmail. That's it, right? Is that all we got? Do you want to tell them that we have a surprise coming next week? Oh my God, we do have a surprise coming next week. Uh, this show is about to change, okay? Hopefully for the better, uh, because, I mean, my life has changed for the better <laughs> since this edition was brought to it. That's for sure. Uh, we're going to have a, a fourth co-host on the show, and that's going to be the routine of how things go from here on out. And that co-host is none other than your favorite guest host, Juice Poppy, a.k.a. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Uh, that host is going to be my amazing wife and friend of the podcast, Lizzie. I'm not going to say your last name because it hurts every time I do, (laughs) but Lizzie is joining the podcast because she says, and I quote, she brings, wait, what do you say? 
<laughs> you bring the white girl perspective. Yeah. Lizzie brings the white girl perspective to this Chicano heavy. Uh, we're not Chicanos. We're Puerto Ricans and Cuban. Is he Cuban? Yes. Oh, okay. She brings the white girl uh, perspective to it. And also, we need some boy bands in here. So Lizzie's going to bring the boy band flavor and some other shit. And I just some other shit. need her to come in and to, yell at you guys. Yeah, she's going to try to keep us on track. Yeah, because clearly uh, I don't do we'll a good enough job. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> Yay. Lizzie, from far away because you don't have a microphone yet, how excited are you? I'm excited. <laughs> you hear that? She's going to bring some some happiness and some cheer to this podcast. That's basically me going on tangents and Joe and David hating each other. Yep. Until next time, shake your Laffy Taffy. Peace out.